DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. You can't stop me, nothing's gonna stand in my way. I'm gonna fly higher I'm gonna fly higher Higher Everyone, it's DT. Thanks for hanging out with us on the podcast. We've been doing podcasts for over a year, nonstop. I've had the opportunity to talk to some of the most influential leaders, game changers, in and around the triangle and all over the country. Jess Lipson, Adrian Cole, Seppi Sadie, Gary Salamito, Sonia Hobson, Tom Rule, just to name a few. When the season started, we had no idea what the year would bring. A pandemic, racial unrest, an unprecedented election, an educational awakening that we've never seen before. People are more open to change than ever. And what are we gonna do with that is one of the things we're gonna really focus on in the upcoming season. As the CEO of the diversity movement, I've seen businesses of all sizes, from startups to Fortune 500, lead and win when they focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. In a time of chaos, I'm proud to say that we're able to help companies appreciate the differences of their teams and discover how those differences lead to innovation. So after this eventful year, it's time to take a break, to reflect, to figure out what is the best way to move forward to be helpful to our audience and to the folks that are coming on board this show. We're gonna take a break for the balance of the summer and come back in September with an all new season of the Donald Thompson Podcast. Until then, for more information on what's going on with podcasts, webinars, what's new with the book I have coming out, sign up for my newsletter at donaldthompson.com. Thanks for all that you are doing, the support, the feedback, and once again, keep your dreams in front and the best is yet to come. And look forward to seeing you again in September. Throughout the summer, we're gonna have a couple of compilation episodes just to keep some of the learnings and the lessons top of mind but we'll see you in September and look forward to being with you again. Thanks and make a great day. What would you recommend kind of broadly to business leaders, to, to people that are out there that can help them in that sourcing of talent, help them be more accommodating not accommodating in terms of lower the bar, but empathetic. Yeah. 
yeah. if you will, right, to people that are different than them. Absolutely. And, and I, I'll take this, this opportunity to, to state that while no company is going to get it right to start with, I applaud Cisco for taking the steps that they have here recently because they, they have put a lot of effort into it. It's a matter of refining, to your point, and, and really understanding uh, how to, to drive that change. But but I applaud the, the work that has been done. Uh, in terms of what I'd recommend, it's very similar to what I've talked to our leadership team about. And that is, yes, we want to create a, a pipeline of talent. We want to attract talent. But once you get it in the door, you have to have the right culture in place, right? And that's just not, oh, we, we accept Kendra, he's a black guy. It is, you, you need a culture where people are looking at each other as teammates, right? Ultimately trying to drive towards a common goal. Because if we all work at the same company, we're all working towards that company stock price. Make no mistake about it, right? And so I think that's a key part of it, the culture. And the, the second part is real opportunity. And what I mean by that is it's not just about a job. It's about exposure. It is about acknowledgement. It is about, and when I say exposure, that, that means opportunities to engage with leadership so that the leadership can understand that, hey, this person's actually pretty talented. And then the visibility from the standpoint of once this person does the project and they do it well, let's celebrate it. Because again, people need to know that these types of people can be successful. And so when I think about uh, what, what should be done in organizations is putting, in, is putting in place programs that allow people to get that visibility, to get that exposure, and ultimately be able to uh, drive success like everyone else. Oh man, that is, uh, that's good stuff. What are some of the principles of leadership sure. that you try to keep in the forefront to keep you successful, to keep you moving forward? What are some of the things that, that your leadership style embodies? Mm-hmm. Thank you. So that <laughs> it's a great question. I think the first thing for me personally is I've never found that freaking out helps anything. <laughs> I, I really haven't. And so I, my team is, is used to me, you know, a problem comes at me and I rarely will react right away. Nine times out of 10, I'm going to react quickly. I'm not going to let it sit too long, but I, I almost every time, unless the path is very clear, will go, huh, let me think about that. So I almost always take a little mental step back from the problem so that I can see it more clearly, maybe breathe a few times, yeah. <laughs> and then decide how I'm going to respond. That has helped me because you're right. We do have a lot of constituents. We have a large membership base that represent a large number of the employees in the community. So about 1,800 members representing about two-thirds of the employment base in the area. We work closely with elected officials. We work closely with other nonprofits. We really value those partnerships. So I'm not going to knee-jerk in my reaction to anything. From a personal leadership style, my team doesn't ever have to wonder what they're going to encounter with me. There, there isn't any one day she's in a good mood and the next day she's not. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I do not want people walking on eggshells. And so, you know, I feel like as a leader, it's my responsibility to moderate my own moods and behavior and to provide that steady 
steady presence. I think that that's important. And I think that it's been more important than ever in 2020 in navigating a time of real uncertainty that I needed to stay the course and we're going to get through this and we're going to make the best decisions we can with the information that we have at the time. So that's part of it. The other part of it is I believe strongly in relationships, trust and integrity and in humility. You know, I'm not all that in a bag of chips, <laughs> you know, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not better than anybody else. And 99.9% of the time, people are just trying to do the best they can. Uh-huh. And that you have to protect those relationships and you have to be who you say you're going to be. And that trust is sometimes hard won, but can be easily torn down. And you really, so those, those are the things that guide my leadership. I also keep in the back of my mind a Harveyism, which is you can fake sincerity, but you can't fake showing up. So you really have to show up for people. And that's been harder in this virtual world, but not impossible. So, you know, you can still show up even if it's on a call or on a video chat across the parking lot with a mask on. (laughs) You can still show up for people. And then the other thing I would say is, you know, really trying not to let fear get in the way and to know that my team hears me say, you know, the cake doesn't have to be fully baked for us to move on something. We can keep adding ingredients until we get it just right. And I know that sounds sort of cheesy, but it's true. We don't have to wait to have everything completely ironed out before we move on an initiative that's important for our organization, our members, the the community. When you look at your leadership journey and things that you've learned, I have in my notes Mark Twain. Hmm. And so I've been waiting that through for, you know, the, the weeks that we've had this on schedule. Where do you mean there? What, yeah. tell, me, tell me a little bit where Mark Twain and some of that philosophy fits in. You, know, you gave me a bit of a hint of some of the questions that might be coming. So I started to uh, prepare. And I, what, what hit me pretty quickly was the letter that Mark Twain wrote a friend, if you've ever heard this. And he wrote a very long letter. And at the end of the letter, he said, I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. And I heard that years ago, and I think we, we a lot of us have heard it. You're nodding your head, so I, I know you, you've heard it before. And it does say to me that simplicity takes a lot of effort and a lot of time. So when you mm-hmm. said leadership lessons, I laughed first, by the way, weeks ago, and I said, this is one podcast, man. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> so I started to listen to Mark Twain again and trim this down a little bit so I can go through a bit of my sort of truncated yeah. uh, list if, if that works but that's I love it. my talk uh, Mark Twain is always on my show they're saying take time get it simple and so um, so uh, let, let me give you this perspective um, the question about leadership is a broad one to me and when I think about leadership I break it into three segments personal leadership systematic leadership and then strategic leadership Personal leadership is, you know, how do we lead close in, right? How do I lead myself? Mm-hmm. How do I run my own, um, my, my own personal life, my, my family, um, and maybe even those direct reports in a business setting? Systematic leadership is when you are called to lead broader than just a small team, you have to start thinking about how your voice can translate, how you can lead systematically across multiple um, folks or teams or geographies. So that's different than one-on-one leadership. 
And then lastly, we can lead our people really well. We still have to make good decisions. And that's strategic leadership. How do we make decisions? Uh, does that framework make sense? It does. It does. One of the things I want to pivot to, you mentioned a couple of books kind of in, interweaved in your talk. What are some of the books, podcasts that you think are must-haves for men to read to get a better view and visibility into the eyesight, into the lens, into the thought process of building and growing female leaders? Yeah, there's there's two in particular that I love. Well, the, the first is a is a book that just came out, I think, in the last year that's called Dare to Lead. It's by Brene Brown, B-R-E-N-E Brown. Brene Brown is a social scientist. She is a scientist researching about shame. And shame is a emotion that comes out of, of um, perfection. And so she does a, a lot of studies about imperfection. And she has a TED Talk. She has several books. One of my favorite books of hers personally that I don't know if men would uh, associate as much is called The Gifts of Imperfection. That was pretty game-changing for me to read because I realized I was trying so hard to be perfect. And if I just embraced my clumsiness, I would really be a more authentic person. So Dare to Lead by Brene Brown is one I would recommend. The other that I was talking about, How Women Rise, even though it's got women in, in the title. You know, the, the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. I'm at a loss for the, the name of the author. I think it's Marshall Gold... Uh... Goldblum Goldsmith. Yes, yes. He co-wrote that book with Sally Helgeson. And so, yes, because again, it's about behaviors that women are exhibiting that are holding them back and it's based on research. So those are those are my favorite that would really speak to men. There is for women, Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg of, of you know, Facebook is, is an oldie but goodie. You know, she was one of the pioneers to write these things. I think Harvest Business Review has some tremendous papers that talk to the subject a lot. So those those really, and there's tons, well, tons. There's several tremendous consultants on diversity and inclusion, and there's and and there's consultants that specialize in in women's empowerment uh, type activities. You know, a, as well that I, in talking to people, you know, in the triangle, they're starting to use more and more of these consultancies because they take this diversity and inclusion very seriously as they should. Because we know from research that if, if you work um, in a, a DNI environment, you're are gonna thrive and it will impact your, your bottom line. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. And, and I appreciate those recommendations. The book by Cheryl Sanderberg, Lean In, I remember reading that on a plane, I was flying back from Germany and I read the book during that flight. And I was sitting next to a leader at a firm, ABB, that actually was in organizational change. Both you and I have the opportunity to interact with a lot of different people, a lot of different companies of all different sizes, industries. And we've kind of come upon five pillars for the next generation of leadership. And so why don't you just run down the, the five real quick with just a quick nugget on each one and then right. we'll kind of guide and, and dive in. Okay. The five pillars we talked about start with being able to lead different kinds of teams. And these are multi-generational, multicultural teams. 
not only is this going to be a skill that leaders have to have to rise in their organizations, but we think the next few years is going to be a skill that's required to survive because the landscape around us is changing so dramatically and so quickly that having that as a competency, ultimately, you have to have it. There, there's going to be no two ways about it. And so we, we see the future and we're marching toward that as we're helping companies go, go to that. Uh, the second one is on social media excellence. It's one thing to chase followers and chase engagement, but how do you do that in a way that's going to help build your brand and grow your business? And those aren't the same thing. And so we want to talk about that in detail. The third thing is how to learn quickly. Fast learning is going to be an important element of one skill set as, as an individual as well as an organization too. And so being able to learn quickly and to be adaptable is the third thing we want to talk about. The fourth thing we want to talk about is around technology. And technology has rapidly transformed our lives. If you think about the businesses that were created in the last five years, is is just been tremendous. And we see that not slowing down in any kind of way. And so an organization and a company, as well as the leadership, needs to be able to evaluate technology. You can't put your head in the sand and ignore things that are coming but you have to really lean into it and understand it so you can figure out whether it's something that's going to help drive your business or is it a threat to your business. And the last thing is thinking like a startup CEO. We've got to reinvent ourselves. We've got to reinvent our companies. How do you pivot quickly to understand what's happening? How do you take an idea and move that into action as fast as you can? Because when you're in a startup, time is the enemy. So those are the five things we want to talk through. We'll, we'll start with... Uh, leading and managing multicultural teams. When you think about leadership, right? Because you now run a very large organization. And so you're responsible not only to your clients, but you have a team of people to lead and, and help grow. What are some of the principles that you adhere to that you coach in building a company that's not only financially successful, but a great place to work for your team members. My leadership has evolved over the years. We're going to be 20 years old next May. So that's a big, yes, a very exciting time. I can't believe it. 20 years is a long time. And I, from the beginning, I always believed that I can grow the firm to the extent I can grow as a leader. So I have to be able to grow and evolve and change to be able to grow my organization and I've really worked on myself. I think leaders need to spend a lot of time working on their own leadership style, on their own authentic voice and figuring that out and asking for support. I've had leadership coaches. I've gone to leadership classes. I read leadership books. I really have spent a lot of time learning and evolving and understanding myself. And so that has been a key element for me always going forward. The other part for me has always been humility. Mm. I think humility for me is one of my values. It's really important to me. I think if I'm humble, I can hear more, I can learn more. And then I resonate with my team members in the company. They see a real person. Right. I share my real challenges with them and I share the aspirations. And I'm a very, I aspire a lot. I've always aspired a lot. I love, I'm ambitious. I want to do great things. I want to offer great quality of work. I want to have great environment for people to work in. So I have a very aspirational perspective, but also 
I, I'm very real with folks. I don't pretend I'm not having a bad day or <laughs> this is not a really hard time we're going through or that I don't have hard days. Like in a pandemic, I'm an extrovert. I'm a really extreme extrovert. So not being able to be around people, it's hard for me. So I share those things. I share the aspirations. I share the, the goals, the challenges. I tell folks, I paint the picture. I paint the picture of where we want to go. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we have a team that can take us there and grow with me. And so so I think openly communicating, having the courage to be humble and be vulnerable and to openly communicate what you need to get done is really important. And I think what has really helped us over the past few years, especially, is I have focused on this word that a lot of times people use it as a cool thing, but to me it's incredibly meaningful, which is culture. <laughs> it's everything. Everything. I think I cannot tell you how important is culture of the company to me and how it has impacted our success, our recruitment, our team building, our winning projects. I cannot express that the importance of culture for us And we think about talking with small business leaders. What are some of the things that you help these leaders with in learning how to manage and grow teams? Mm. As they're starting when you're one person, two, even 10, you have that family atmosphere and it's so relational, right? Yeah. And, but then when you move past 10 people and you start to get more organizational, mm-hmm. right? A big leadership shift. What are some of the advice? points that you give for leaders that are learning how to grow and manage bigger teams, even if that team is 10 to 20, 20 to 30. Yeah, love it. So definitely, if you are the type of community-oriented or impact-oriented entrepreneur who wants to kind of keep that family feel, even as your touch points uh, are reduced, I really recommend doing your best to create opportunities for contact with you. So either if you can't appear at the, like the entire company uh, team meeting, because there's 250 employees at this point, so like you can't go every week or, you know, whatever the reason, still making it maybe to the monthly one or a quarterly run, still trying to create opportunity for conversation, making yourself available via email or on your Slack channel or whatever you're using in order to be in contact with the company. And you can start that really early. So if you're at the stage where you only have, you know, five or 10 employees, one thing that I found really effective for my tech company was when I hired, I hired people who I knew were going to be leaders. So I hired people who, yes, they had to just take work from me at that stage, but I specifically trained and told them that they were being hired as a department head. Was there anyone below them at that point in time? No, but they knew that when we were ti- when it was time to bring in other people within that category of work, that they were going to be the ones who were involved in the interview process. And so as you start to expand your empire, you can build this family feel, but also empower your managers and your directors to then continue that onward within their teams. And again, doing your best to really give that ability to come back to you 
One of my clients has a team of 25 and does yearly basically feedback for how he did. He just, here's the feedback form. Give me a scale one to 10 for all these different areas and tell me like, what can I be doing better? That's sometimes scary for people, but it makes your team feel empowered. I love the example. I know that this is like a movie, you know, silly cliche example, but I love the example in The Intern with Robert De Niro, where she has that bell in the warehouse. And so when there's a win, anyone gets to ring it no matter what level they're at, but everyone hears it. And so there's there's taking time with celebration, taking time with gratitude, and also the ability to retain approachability. That is really, really powerful. Like hiring people with leadership upside is one of the things you said initially and giving them that charter, right? Mm-hmm. Because people rise to your level of expectation. And yeah. so, you know, one of the things that in that story, the way you described what you're doing is you describe leaders keeping connected, right? We all get busy, mm-hmm. but making opportunities for connection and conversation and then giving people their leadership charter, right? Mm-hmm. So that they know that growth is expected. This is where we are now. These are things you have to do. These are tasks, but the training, your education, your future, I'm hiring you to be right this into the future. And right. that is such a great way to create loyalty and get people to really engage, right? It's yeah. the kind of, kind of leadership that, that I've been fortunate to have as I grew as an entrepreneur. People yeah. that need to do big things. That's awesome. Right. Feels so good. You're in the business of improving productivity of CEOs and CMOs and leadership teams. What would you share with them to help them understand the business value for them to think differently about diversity in key roles when they're coming from an experience where they just might not understand? It's not necessarily racist as much as it's experiential. How would you help them move into a direction of inclusion? Well, I, I, I do a couple things. First of all, I've been on, I think now, eight diversity, equity, and inclusion panels in the last five weeks. So I just keep getting these phone calls, and I'm happy to do it. And been all over the place, man, with, on these panels. And my messaging is the same. I have three points. I guess three is always good, right? Three points. The first thing that I say is to the leaders, be human. Be a human being. Look at the people in your orbit, the people that you come into contact in your organizations, those who you might be recruiting, what have you, look at people as human beings and treat them the way you want to be treated. And I say, you know, I know that that's not going to cause any fireworks to go off. It's not going to result in any lightning flashing, a thunder roaring, right? But basic leaders, I'm assuming that we're in leadership business because we care about people. Yep. And leaders don't lead P&Ls and don't lead balance sheets and don't lead plants and don't lead development laboratories. We lead people. So be a human being. And that can solve a lot of ills and create a really good perspective. The second thing that I say is, you know what? Get beyond the rhetoric or in this case, get beyond the statements. All the organizations have made statements and we appreciate the statements, but get beyond the statements and get real with your organization. I mean, get real about where you are. I have a a former pastor of mine who used to say, I love this quote, you gotta get real if you wanna get healed. (laughs) Amen. 
it applies to all of us, right? But but I think about it, as long as you're writing statements about you abhor this, there's no place in your organization for this, you stand against this, that's great. But in doing so, turn that mirror around and look at your organization for real and say, okay, can I just be honest with myself? Can we be honest with ourselves about where we really are? Or as my 15-year-old daughter would say, like, for real, for real, dad, you know. And I I think that for leaders, that humility, you know, that authenticity to say, "I, I know we're not perfect. I know we got a lot of work to do. But before I put on this public face, let me just take a look in the mirror in our organization and say, folks, where are we really? I mean, that's powerful.